Alexander Grieb, I am the Customer Advisory Lead S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. If you are working within the SAP ecosystem, you will be hard-pressed to not have noticed that SAP has sharpened its strategy and is going all in concerning cloud. To our partners and customers, this has become of course most obvious by our strategic business transformation as a service offering called RISE. But what is behind all of that? In which overarching strategy is RISE embedded? And who are those corporate strategies who are the brains behind all of that and how do they work? And do they spend their whole day in dimmed rooms over a world map like in Dr. Strangelove? I hooked up with Tobias Gefeller, Vice President and Head of Corporate Strategy at SAP, to discuss not only details about SAP's long-term strategy called reInvent, but also the methods and procedures of a best practice corporate strategy process how technology is disrupting these activities and, of course, the capabilities you need to excel in the exciting world of corporate strategy development at SAP. All of that on this episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Tobias. Hey, Alex. Tobias, a new year has started, so quite naturally topics that enterprises talk about a lot are very strategy-focused. And we jumped on this kind of talk already last episode with Dr. Uwe Grigoleit, the head of go-to-market. Um, he was deep diving into the functional and portfolio parts of the RISE strategy. You and your team have a very specific part in SAP strategy. So please, can you give us, for starters, a quick outline what your job is all about? Sure, Alex. So uh, I lead a small team of uh, high-profile strategists uh, based in the headquarters in Waldorf, part of a, a global strategy team um, under the chief strategy officer. And, and my role is basically to ensure um, we drive the evolution of our strategy uh, together with SAP's board and our executive leadership team. And in that, we also support the execution, um, including things like the strategic planning um, and working together also with the portfolio teams. So the corporate strategy group called CSG, which is your area, is responsible for the overall SAP strategy. And where do your, let's say, your influence go into? What, what is basically the role of CSG in, in the whole SAP context? Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, it's uh, driving the evolution of the strategy. Um, but above of that, on top of that, it's also um, that we can initiate and execute strategic projects um, in some of the areas of our product portfolio and across um, the whole customer cycle. And that could be, for instance, identifying new growth opportunities, uh, tailoring strategies for a particular solution area, um, also running um, transformation projects. So as you could say, it's it's around disrupting, changing, and running our business. You are reporting to the board area of Christian Klein, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. So um, it's 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 CG's led by the chief strategy officer, mm -hmm. Anuj Kapoor, and he's reporting directly to our CEO. So that includes also functions such as corporate development, uh, portfolio, and uh, market intelligence. So I would say we operate pretty much as a truly international teams. Uh, we're on three continents. And I think um, in terms of how we operate, it's, it's really driven 
at the end of the day by the success of the strategy and our track record and identifying and also building consensus around um, some of the key opportunities I mentioned. And so if you look at the internal side, it's it's clearly the feedback um, from our executive stakeholders um, and how, how they are willing to work with us and whether they see also the incremental value that we can achieve together with them uh, rather than doing it on their own. When you would describe how your typical day looks like, it probably consists lots of, of let's say, meetings, communication, number crunching, stuff like this. Is, is this kind of, of, of picture that I have of your job in that area correct or is it a bit too easy? I think you covered all of the, the relevant elements. I think to describe kind of the day in the life of, of CSG is kind of difficult because it will depend also um, on the time in the year. Um, we'll probably also talk a bit more about the strategy development. Then in other times, it's more around, um, you know, drilling that down, cascading it um, and, and executing on it. Um, but overall, um, I would say um, it's, it's highly flexible in terms of the different Uh, requirements um, in terms of the profiles that's needed and it's certainly um, a very rewarding uh, job to do. What kind of people work at CSG? Because I think in that area probably all concerning that question your group is a little bit um, let's say um, a bit of a secret because you of course have a clear picture what a sales guy looks probably about or a developer and so on but I guess like when you ask people how they would how they would think about what kind of people work at a strategy group. I think you would get from, from an answer, everything from mad scientists to McKinsey strategy consultant types. Um, so how, how would you describe the people working in your team? Yeah, I guess you're very right there. I would say it's really diverse across many aspects. Yeah, so for instance, we are minimum 10 different nationalities. Um, we have young talents, we have seasoned professionals, we have people with a software background or kind of the, the PhD physicist and in terms of your math scientist. Um, so it's, it's really a balance um, of internal know-how and talents and also infusing kind of this outside in impulse. That's also why we uh, do hiring probably 50% or so externally um, and also having kind of a tenure in the team that's probably around two to three years, um, which is probably less than, than in other teams uh, to really keep that um, going. In terms of the skills that people bring uh, to the table, it's, it's as you said, uh, to a certain part consulting skills. So yes, we do have uh, ex-McKinsey. I mean, I've been with Carney uh, for quite a long time. And, but on the other hand, also uh, project management skills. Uh, we definitely um, want to have a strong tech affinity and track record. Um, and that could be also from other industries, yes, but it should be uh, clearly lined up to um, a customer and product exposure. So um, it's not kind of the ivory tower kind of operating model. We definitely um, value if people have also had a customer facing role because that will help us ultimately connect the dots um, across the company, which, which is our job, and also have that um, yeah, incubated through our external network. So um, you could get an impression that there probably is not something of a straight line of a career or of a development to your job, but more or less, let's say, that you all have in common, not maybe not the background, but certain characteristics as people. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say definitely um, the, the kind of person that maybe to kind of do the net net 
um, is somebody that's that's open-minded, um, very flexible and open to innovation. I think you really have to challenge yourself in terms of not, you know, designing around the existing and kind of the existing portfolio, but um, around validating this um, from a 360-degree perspective, which is why we need this um, openness um, to work with, you know, customers, analysts, um, also, sometimes um, from from the competitive side, uh, people that come from uh, the industry um, to really create that unique experience that you can only have in the strategy. So, in our pre-talks, we talked about more or less like how the let's call it the output of your work more or less is clustered, and um, you were mentioning for example the reinvent strategy which uh, from from my point of view sounds a little bit like the let's call it the overarching story of sap strategy um can you tell about like what this kind of strategy reinvent is all about what kind of time horizons you work in yeah Maybe let me start with the time horizon first. Um, we look at uh, look at the strategy typically from a three to five year horizon. So we're talking about 2023, 25 here, and that's I think it's it's a artifact of our industry, which is very fast changing, very dynamic. Um, I mean, I've worked also across other industries. Like if you think of it from a kind of an airport operator, I think the terms that you plan for is more like in the 10 to 15 or even 20 years. I think that's in our industry, I mean, to a certain extent, when it comes to, you know, the details of the strategy, not possible. So we're optimizing more for the five-year timeframe. Uh, in terms of what it is all about, maybe um, also the question why we need this at all is around maybe three perspectives. I think first and foremost, it's about our customers. And so around the question, how do we transform the business um, for increased productivity? make them more resilient also, especially now in these days and uh, sustainable. It's for the employees. So um, how can we reinvent how businesses run, make the employee experience better and help the world run better in, in line with our vision and purpose. And then last but not least, it's also about the investors. So how can we, from a company perspective, um, accelerate our profitable growth in the cloud and uh, come to an even higher um, recurring revenue share. So I think if you drill those three perspectives further down in terms of what it's all about, I think it's again, three aspects that I wanna highlight. Uh, on, the, on the one hand, it's about the question, um, how can we better support our customers in the transformation journey to the cloud with an even clearer path and also attractive um, commercial constructs um, to provide them with the right flexibility to take that step. And then also lining up everybody at SAP from the development and operations to the field um, around you know, creating the superior customer experience uh, from the onboarding uh, to the adoption and finally to the expansion. Second, um, how do we evolve our, our portfolio and the existing strategy around the intelligent enterprise? I think that's something that resonated very well with customers uh, to deliver a truly seamless experience uh, and, and with the different elements of of the stack yeah, from starting from the end-to-end -end processes, uh, the one business network, uh, embedding artificial intelligence, industry cloud, that's something we launched this year, um, uh, the last year I have to say, um, one data model, our business technology platform powered by SAP HANA and last but not least, infrastructure choice. So how, how do we bring all these elements together so that we can truly reinvent how businesses run 
like we did almost 50 years ago. And then uh, last but not least, um, also again, taking this uh, investor perspective, how can we accelerate our investment into innovation? And um, how can we uh, accelerate our own uh, cloud transition in the context of our 2025 ambition, which is all about uh, roughly 22 billion uh, cloud revenue and 60% um, cloud revenue share. Um, reInvent may be a name that probably people who are listening to the social channels of SAP was not before this podcast, probably not yet so familiar, but another name is quite familiar since especially last week's announcement, which is RISE. RISE is a strategy of SAP, what we call a business transformation as a service. Is this a part of reInvent? Is this embedded in the overall strategy? Probably it is. Um, but which kind of role plays RISE within your, let's say, overarching story? Yeah, I think RISE is a is an element um, of executing the strategy and, and coming to that vision, uh, which I outlined. So maybe if you want to take one step back and, and look at kind of why did we do reInvent and, and why did we do RISE? Um, it's clearly, um, as I said, right, intelligent enterprise resonated with the customers well, also our vision and purpose. Uh, XNO, uh, the XNO data um, started to resonate really well with Qualtrics. So when Christian came in as the as the new C sole CEO, um, he clearly also pushed our thinking in terms of uh, we even need to go beyond that. And we need to be more prescriptive um, how our customers can stay ahead of the curve, how they can get faster to cloud and with more, more flexibility. And that's, by the way, not a contradiction. Mm -hmm. It's uh, faster and more flexible um, is all about, you know, clearing those bottlenecks. Um, and also making sure we are even accelerating our pace of innovation in a very competitive industry. Yeah. So I think that was one um, major motive. And then the other was to really develop the strategy uh, in lockstep across the entire organization and yeah. not, not only kind of thinking from top to bottom, from product to field, but actually simultaneously. So in terms of like specifically the, the rationale for RISE, um, it's, it's really about accelerating, simplifying the, the cloud journey for our customers. So basically translating reInvent um, into a commercial offering, a concierge service, so to speak, um, with this clear path to cloud, basically ensuring that there's no high upfront cost, there's a faster time to value, and also a higher flexibility to decide, hey, which capabilities um, do I use in the cloud at which, which point of time? Uh, it's all under one offer, one contract, and one responsible party yeah, to hold accountable for SLA operations um, and issue handling. Yeah. So I think that's um, that's that's why customers um, have this new um, offering. And you can also uh, hopefully um, listen to the podcast, as you mentioned, with Uwe Grigolai to find out more. So when you talk about, let's say, rise strategy, it's not that we moved away from our definition of our, let's say, um, intelligent enterprise vision for our customers, but this has become more of a more specified um, vision of how to get there because of the things we learned. We packaged more, we simplified more, um, and um, by this we want to make it easier so the customer becomes what we call an intelligent enterprise. Yeah, yeah, I think you said it exactly right. And then... Um, if we take that one step further, like as a company, I mean, obviously we take both perspectives from a strategy side. Um, it's about accelerating the shift um, of core application workloads uh, to the cloud, 
to be and remain on, on the customer side as a strategic partner for their business transformation. And that will help us ultimately reach our ambition uh, through higher customer lifetime revenue and also um, sustainable growth uh, throughout 2025. One thing which, of course, was headlining the news in the last day was within the context of Rise, the acquisition of Signavio, which is mm -hmm. classical. SAP wants to buy somebody because we think um, their products are interesting and um, this could be something of a what has been in history called marriage in heaven, where both parties get, of course, a lot of value out of it and the customers definitely better off of it. This is something definitely not happening on a short note, this kind of transaction. Um, and of course, this is not happening without being part of the strategy, like what you are doing. So what are the, the let's say more or less the the the, the processes behind a decision like this in context of the strategy and why for example in that aspect was the part of process improvement so prominent in the strategy yeah i mean um in terms of reinventing um how businesses run uh, it's not only about you know moving to cloud but it's also moving the needle in terms of what customers can extract from the existing processes and data um and clearly while we do have the capabilities to do so, um, to be also a leader in this market, we want to accelerate also from an inorganic perspective, um, our ability um, to, to excel in this part. And uh, when, when I say this, it's, it's mainly about three aspects yeah, from a strategy perspective. Um, on, on the one hand, um, it's about providing our customers with the insights, um, how they can have the best practices, how they run the existing processes, so how other processes used. They can benchmark this internally um, and even within the industry um, to see, okay, how can I basically streamline this and, and come to more productive outcomes? I think in the next step, the next evolution step that we want to also um, do together with Signavio is how can we uh, go from there to have um, customers get um, prescriptive recommendations, how they can improve the process design. So not uh, kind of in the way it was like done in the 1990s, um, kind of just, uh, you know, carry over the existing processes, uh, but actually have from a system perspective uh, recommendations um, how this could be improved as a kind of a semi-automated recommendation, leading then to three, um, to kind of a vision that um, transforms the process with artificial intelligence towards next practices. Yeah? So creating new outcomes, uh, having highest level of automation and productivity, Uh, towards our vision of, of business process as a service uh, rather than uh, software it's really um, uh, sell, selling outcomes creating outcomes um, with ai embedded um these key roles in building that strategy obviously it seems to be very prominent because um, a strategy like that and activities like that and decisions like that are not the brainchild of one single person probably it's not like christian klein in the morning wakes up and says like this is a strategy we have to do let's do it um how how, is, how frequent is the dialogue between you and our board members and let's say who talks more and who listens more no 
It's it's a it's a good question, and also like you said, it's not a brainchild of of Christian Klein. But in fact, I mean, to be honest, like um, he will actually wake up and have great ideas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, um, so that that can actually happen uh, quite frequently, and um, it's it's great that we have that. Uh, but the strategy itself, I would say, is is much more than uh, just kind of a one-off event. Um, it's something. Um, that that has a certain process around it, a uh, certain time frame, and I can elaborate on that a little bit. Um, so maybe starting with our own role, um, it's really around putting the dots together here, building the bridges, uh, providing the insights. And um, this obviously is not done just inside the corporate strategy team with the board, but it's a larger team um, of, of, exec- of executives um, it's it's through uh, workshops, and since it happened in the you know, pandemic timeframe, all of it was virtual. Um, it involved also um, a, a customer council that we helped set up and run uh, to have a clear voice of the customer uh, inside our strategy, all under NDA. Uh, so we very much opened um, our strategic thinking around it and um, yeah, integrated their voice into all of the decisions. Um, it's also including an employee engagement loop, uh, so really crowdsourcing um, the, the internal wisdom, so to speak, uh, and we basically, uh, out of the 100k um, employees at SAP, we looped in 25,000 of them, uh, having, having a high four-digit number um, of, of feedback. So I guess this kind of shows you um, how massive actually this process was. And to kind of complicate this, I mean, obviously, since we're a listed company, um, there is a supervisory board at play um, that has also a strong influence, um, thankfully, of our uh, founder, Hasso Plattner, who is very much innovation focused. So obviously, uh, SVB will be closely involved uh, and it also involved external parties um, for creating um, outside in perspective. Uh, so, I mean, from a time frame, as you asked about it, um, it probably was covered around over two months. Uh, so for the, for the ambition, the strategy itself. And then it was cascaded um, into like the solution area product and, and board area strategies, uh, also translated into financials, like the planning, the budgeting, uh, translated into commercial offers, uh, like the, the RISE, uh, which we just cho- talked about. Um, so around about, I would say for the you know translation communication, it's another quarter. And then going forward, um, like from a, from a cycle perspective, we revisit that at least every year, but obviously not every year will be a major change. So uh, I guess the 2023, 2025 goals will not completely change. Um, every two to three years, we have uh, probably more like a major update and the executions are more working on a quarterly review basis. So you, you just pointed at it. When you talk about, let's say you have a five-year strategy, this does of course not mean that you make this strategy, you document it, then for five years, people follow that strategy, and then you look at it and do it for the next five years. That may have been the case probably in, in, in communism, but certainly not at SAP, it's certainly not in corporate surroundings. So obviously, you react, obviously, you look at economic situations like pan, the pandemic situation we have been here, and you obviously adjust. So is, is there some kind of certain frequency um, where you say like we do something like a rollover of our direction, like check if the direction is still correct and then maybe we correct a little bit to the left or to the right? Or is this more on, let's say, um, is, is this more event-based? I would say it's more the first rather than the latter. 
Um, so, I mean, obviously there's there's a like a planning cycle in terms of uh, you know, adjusting our investments, which is typically once a year, but then obviously uh, within the year um, can be adjusted. But the major building blocks um, are decided once a year. From a strategy cadence perspective, there's there's a major strategy board offsite uh, twice a year, so that also um, yeah, frames a bit the, the process. But then, I mean, obviously, if there is the need to act, and, and there's also the opportunity to, to act, and you mentioned the Signavio acquisition, um, then we will certainly do so. Yeah. So, I guess long story short, um, there's like annual and semi-annual cycles, and then um, any time within that, um, if there is an opportunity, we can uh, act uh, event-based. What in our conversation at the beginning was was quite often noted was the value driver tree that obviously plays a role in your activities. And can you elaborate a little bit on how you build up these kinds of value driver interconnections, um, where which then of course influence your your the output of your strategy a lot? Yeah. And I can't give you all the detail, but what I can I'm say is that, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I would say is it's, it's our key framework to model the financial and also the non-financial aspects mm -hmm. of the strategy. So that includes things like uh, the cloud growth um, of our businesses and the transition um, from, from our on-premise base, but also um, things like uh, the sustainability impact, our carbon impact. Uh, we can use that uh, value driver tree um, to simulate outcomes um, and also adjust the strategy in our investments. And also um, there is a component around visualization. So it's also um, connected to the digital boardroom. So obviously um, we can also use this um, as a means to communicate, visualize and um, lead a discussion. So you actually use the things we always um, name as the benefits of making giving data purpose and bringing all the things together and using insight to action, like what, what we've heard uh, in, in the digital boardroom. Using this kind of applications that we also sell is, of course, part of your work. Yeah, I can absolutely second that. Um, as I said, digital boardroom is one part and like um, SAP Analytics Cloud is also the the product backbone to it, um, that's definitely top of mind and we use it on the several several occasions um, and several purposes. On the um, HR side, obviously we're internally using success factors. So that's the tool of insight for anything HR related. And then there's also a number of smaller tools um, developed on our business technology platform that we also um, co-developed or helped pioneer. Yeah, so there's basically an a tool um, with AI to understand, for instance, um, and predict, prevent customer churn. Um, and there's other things we can do. So we're also having to pioneer next level um, analytics and innovation um, that we can use internally using our own products. So talking about the general best practice when building corporate strategy, um, I had strategic management and strategy building in university as a course. Um, of course, it was like 25 years back and things maybe now from a technological level, level a bit different, but we've talked about a lot of like Porter's five forces and all those stuff uh, in our course. Um, do you think like what you learn there 
is is really helpful concerning that aspect or do you think like uh, there's still a bit of a difference between the theory what is taught in university or what probably maybe i'm wrong it was just taught back at that time and now universities uh, teach some different things and being yeah more the reality in in the real context in which you're working with yeah I think it's a very good question. And I mean, being an industrial engineer, I also had the same, you know, courses back in university around, you know, the strategy frameworks and all. Um, but I think it's more table stakes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of the hard skills um, that help guide and structure the thinking. And that's kind of what we expect. And maybe to, to give an example to that, um, when we do interviews, obviously, we will um, have also case interviews that will apply some sort of a structured Uh, problem solving um, and yes frameworks can help um, uh, get to the solution but what we also see is that um, like if you just kind of try to fit something into a framework um, or kind of you know let yourself be restricted through, through through the frameworks it's certainly not the best way to get there yeah so it's it's kind of table stakes um, obviously we will use several of the frameworks uh, to help structure our thinking but Ultimately, um, you need to apply it to the context of the problem, to the context of different industries, uh, cultures. So also, as I said, in terms of the profile of our people, um, we try to have that reflected and create that diverse set. Um, so we have that basically embedded. And on the other hand, what, what I think is most important of all, uh, you need to have a clear lens, what matters to, to the customer, what's happening in the industry around us, around us um so so basically having this uh, true validation uh, avoiding the bias i think that's very easy in the strategy uh, to get kind of locked up with the um existing portfolio the existing strategy but you always have to push yourself to uh, take one step back and avoid designing primarily around uh, the as is uh, so that that will ultimately differentiate us um and and you know determine whether the strategy works or not How are your expectations to the future? What do you think or how your work or working reality will change within the next five to six years based on what we've learned, technological trends, data becomes much more accessible and so on. Do you think like you have reached something of a level of perfection, the possibilities you have that they will remain like this and you are waiting for the next big jump or do you already see changes and heavily interesting developments that may affect your work already on the horizon yeah well i think it's also a very good question i mean i've, I've done strategy for the most part over 10 years and i would say yes um there are certain uh, trends that you see uh, even people that claim kind of you know you know consulting may go away at some point mm -hmm. i don't believe in that thesis to be honest but for sure we always have to renew ourselves in terms of how we um, run strategy processes, uh, which which tools we use, um, and then also I guess the the time to value. Yeah, like I think that has accelerated uh, quite a bit. The expectations uh, uh, even higher, and that's also what we expect uh, towards um, external partners. Yeah, so in terms of um, crowdsourcing uh, certain information, um, performing certain analysis, I think the Uh, the pace of which we do that um, will ever accelerate and so will um, the way the, the industry as, as such will evolve. And so ultimately, I think it's around um, being up to speed in terms of um, the tool set, the analytical capabilities, 
and being truly close um, to our customers, partners, and employees. And there's even more channels that we can actually use for this, uh, be it um, constructing this on our, our end, but also using existing channels uh, like, like social media and so on um, to use as a source uh, to influence uh, our strategy. Now that listeners clearly are quite pumped up of, from what you've said, how can listeners follow you and learn more about SAP strategy and you and, and your um, adventures in the world of SAP strategy? So I guess um, the best source in terms of diving a bit deeper into the content of a strategy um, is our investor relations uh, page. Basically, there's for now a presentation on the update of the reInvent strategy uh, from Q3 2020. Um, in addition to that, I mean, there's frequent updates also strategy related on SAP News, either on our own page or through Twitter. Um, and you can also follow Christian Klein for sure, who's uh, keep you, going to keep you updated on SAP and our strategy. And I'm also on LinkedIn, so you can follow me there. Perfect. Tobias, thanks a lot. That was absolutely interesting. Thank, thanks a lot for the interesting insights in your working reality. And um, I hope we will see us again. Um, I wish you great rest of the week. Stay healthy. And stay well. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.